Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's March 31st, 1913, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. When you think rioting at a concert, your mind probably goes to Woodstock 99 or the Altamont Speedway Festival. See our previous episode. It probably doesn't go to a 1913 orchestral performance at the (laughs) Vienna Concert Society. And yet it was today in history, in the staid surroundings of a classical music hall, that violent disorder broke out between rival factions in the audience. So there was actually trouble brewing from pretty early on in the concert. The audience had started to uh, air their slight signs of protest during one of the early works. It was a program of several pieces in a row. And then as they continued, people became increasingly kind of unrestrained. And at one point, eventually, during the third piece of composer Alban Berg's presentation, people really started to kick off and the audience just rioted. Blows were exchanged, the police had to be called, and the concert was actually closed down before the final work on the programme. Yeah, so the concert was an evening of music from experimental composers. Mm. So uh, Zemlinsky, Verbern, Berg, Mahler... Although Marlon never got his turn because right. <laughs> the thing was called off before his his tune got an airing, um, but it does make you think. Well, if you go and see an evening of modern compositions, <laughs> what are you expecting? Right. Like, it's not like these people didn't have a reputation. People knew that Schoenberg, in particular, who was conducting Berg's piece when it all kicked off, was interested in atonality. Mm. That was the point. Was I'm going to bring you music that lets you hear the torment of the composer, the expression of something profound and existential, not something beautiful. You're not going to hear an evening of beautiful Mm. music. And yet somehow that memo had got lost amongst this audience this evening. (laughs) Well, there was already bad blood between the Viennese music scene and Schoenberg himself. He had been, as you say, he was the leading figure in the, you know, the avant-gardist movement at the time. But all his experimental work had been, you know, pretty badly panned by the Viennese music scene, who, you know, there were quite a lot of conservative bods in there who were more of the romantic taste. And most of these avant-garde composers were also masters of the more mainstream styles, and they could write compositions that were more traditionally harmonious. What had happened a few weeks before this day is that Schoenberg had had the premiere of his oratorio Lieder, which was in a far more traditional romantic style, and that had received standing ovation rave reviews. But at the premiere, he refused to turn around from the orchestra pit to face the cheering audience. You know, he was trying to show that he had fallen out of love with that rope, with that traditional style of music. And, you know, if you're not going to, you know, it's, it's a classic. If you don't love me at my avant-gardist, you don't deserve me at my most romantic. That's hilarious because that in itself led to this bad blood in the other direction because he'd refused to accept their applause. Then it feels as though the audience turned up on this particular night determined 
to get their revenge on him. And so the program had actually been mm. the work of Schoenberg, and he was hoping to showcase two of his kind of leading and most advanced pupils who were Anton Webern and Alban Berg, and also of his brother-in-law, Alexander von Zemlinsky, as well as his own work too. And you just get the sense that the crowd is ready to hate it. Like there was a lot to potentially hate, particularly if you had a kind of background in and taste for uh, the first Viennese school. Yeah, the Mozarts and the Haydens and the Ludwig van Beethovens of the world. And Schoenberg himself had come up with this kind of wild new method of uh, writing music, which was called the 12-tone method, which really kind of leaned into the way that music is not just beautiful sounds, but mathematics. And he was interested in the mathematics and expressing them, and so were his pupils. And I think, you know, that doesn't always make for the most relaxing and easy to absorb evening of musical listening. But also, it's this era of modernism, isn't it? It's like we were talking about in our episode about Sagrada Familia last week. If you listen to it now, it doesn't sound that foreign and weird, because we're in a place now where, like in a film score, for example, you'd hear those kinds of sounds in classical music. But then the repertoire had a certain style and you expected certain things to happen. And this is like the audio version of seeing something organic and raw and weird coming out the ground. It's like... You know, you listen to it and you think, what? It sounds like it's been written in a different language. It sounds like it's come from a different world. And even now, uh, despite what I said about it sounding kind of more normal to us, you know, I was looking at the comments on YouTube where I was streaming it and someone had written, this gives you ear cancer. Like there's (laughs) still definitely a feeling that it's just a bit too weird. Well, I think it's fundamentally is a mismatch between the audience expectation and what the artist is setting out to do. You know, if you think of orchestral music as something that you listen to to relax and to be sort of transported away in a romantic dream, then yeah, that's going to sound pretty jarring. And it's something that you see across different types of media as well. You know, famously at Cannes, there's the booing, the sort of booing that no one would dream of doing in a cinema. You get kicked out by an usher. Mm. But, you know, when these controversial or experimental films get shown at Cannes, there is a thing where critics will boo and jeer them because that is considered an acceptable reaction. They don't usually slap each other, though. Yeah, so as things started to kick off, the concert organiser, Erhard Birschbeck, was said to have slapped a concertgoer in the face, which not only led to a lawsuit, but also gave the event its alternative name. It's it's known to some people as Scandal Concert, but it was also known as Vatchen Concert, from the Austrian meaning slap concert. And at the trial that then... Gotta love the German language. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and it. Do they call the Will Smith incident the Vatchen Austrian? <laughs> hope so. But at the trial, Strauss actually commented that the thud of Bushbeck's punch had been the most harmonious sound of the entire concert. (laughs) And they were like, for goodness sake, Strauss, get off the stand, you joker, if you've got nothing to contribute but your little (laughs) one-liner. I mean, the fact that it got to trial at all shows you that it got pretty out of Mm. hand. This all could possibly have been avoided if Schoenberg had just adjusted the programme slightly because the first composers on the bill were all, you know, new modernist composers. But the last selection was supposed to have been from Mahler, who had died two years earlier, and he had been Schoenberg's mentor. And he's often seen as being a bridge between the romantic and the modernist mm-hmm. period. So I thinking, Mix it well, up Well, maybe, bit. yeah, put him on first, guys. Ease you know, everybody yeah. in. <laughs> it's interesting. I was thinking a similar thing, actually, because I was thinking about a play that I saw at the National Theatre about three years ago um, by Friedrich Dürrenmatt called The Visit. Mm -hmm. You ever heard of that? It's like a Brechtian 1950s play. Mm -hmm. It was a modern adaptation, but it was three and a half hours long. And I went to see it. And there was a similar feeling in the auditorium watching that. And it was a good production. Like it was lush uh, in its staging. Hugo Weaving was in it. Leslie Manville was in it. Tony Kushner had written it. 
it was just really long and hard to watch. <laughs> and they did this kind of Brechtian joke in it where just when you thought the play was nearly over after three hours, they made you watch the last act again. No. Oh, I would like, lose my shit. Someone <laughs> would be getting slapped in that audience. It was like torture. And and the, it's supposed to create a reaction in the audience, right? But then you're supposed to think, aha, how does this frame my experience of what I expect theatre to be? I hated it more actually, than I hated it previously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. So, the, so there's the cerebral part of your brain that is thinking those things, but then there's the part of your bum which is thinking, I want to get out of here. Yeah. What, and I do what? just wonder whether, like, whether it was really Berg's song at this point that really wound up the audience to the extent where they were punching each other, or whether it was just its place in the order, as you were saying, you know, this was the fourth right. act. You know, the audience could sit there pretending to enjoy it for the first three acts, but by this point, everyone's just like had enough. <laughs> yeah, and it was probably the most challenging work on the programme as well. It was inspired by poetry by the well-known bohemian Viennese poet Peter Altenberg. The sound is especially discordant. There are words as well. I mean, the words seem like pretty standard modernist poetry to me, but potentially they were also causing offence. Like many artists, Altenberg struggled with mental illness and addiction, and he was actually in an asylum at the time of this concert, although he had been allowed to leave to attend the dress rehearsal. And upon hearing Berg's song cycle, some audience members started jeeringly calling for Berg to join Altenberg in the asylum. Hmm. Wags. Yeah. Well, they were wags, but I don't know. I feel like it was probably came over pretty harshly. Apparently, Berg was really shaken by the ordeal. He didn't perform the Altenberg leader again. They weren't performed until 1952. Well, that's partly because of the fallout of the concert, but also for reasons that we don't quite know. Schoenberg himself, who was, after all, Berg's great teacher, really took him to task about the songs and told him that either they weren't good enough or things that have slightly been lost to history. But that made him just shelve the whole project and in fact he eventually did publish a short score of it as a supplement to a small literary magazine but basically it just went into remission as it were for a good decade before it was ever seen again. Well by 1918 Schoenberg would only play his new music to private audiences who had a subscription and a valid ID and there were (laughs) rules when you came in no applause no reviews you weren't allowed to write about it and they'd even play the pieces a few times so that audiences could get to know them, recognising that it was hard on your first yeah. listen. And no slapping. <laughs> no slapping. <laughs> and so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.